Welcome to the Aspieland Podcast. I'm your host, John Allen. Come with me on an adventure into the world of Asperger syndrome, also called autism spectrum disorder. Everyone is welcome here, whether you have the disorder or you're interested in learning more about it. We're here to help you understand, share, and relate. We're just about to get started, so come on in. Greetings and welcome once again to Aspieland. My name is John Allen, your host, and I'm happy to have you with me, whether you are someone with Asperger's Syndrome, Autism Spectrum Disorder, or you're a neurotypical. You're all very welcome and accepted here. If you're new to this podcast and you're an Aspie, well, you'll find this is a place to learn about yourself, your feelings, and ways to help you function in the neurotypical world. Now, if you're neurotypical, this is a place where you can learn all about Asperger's syndrome, now called autism spectrum disorder, and gain understanding and appreciation for those of us who seem really different, but at heart are the most extraordinary people you could ever get to know. Ever notice something really peculiar about the commercials you see on TV every day? Let me give you an example. A child comes in from playing outside and their clothes are dirty. Well, the parent has to clean the clothes, obviously. But if you're having trouble cleaning your clothes, well, then all you need to do is buy this or that. That's a simple marketing layout, a sales pitch. Well, in a sales pitch, you first present a problem, anything from your grass isn't growing to your glasses have too much glare, or you have too much discomfort after you eat, or you have aches and pains when you exercise. Well, the problem is presented, and then voila! Our scientifically proven 90-day guaranteed and doctor-recommended problem solver is here to fix it. Aren't you glad you watched? <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, this is our modern world. It's a marketing world. It's a Mr. Fix-It kind of world. Face it, we all like to fix things. We see something that isn't quite right or something that isn't working right, and we immediately start thinking of ways to fix it. And doesn't it feel good when you actually fix something? It's rare for me, anyway. <laughs> but of course it does. Well, okay, let's take that one step farther. Mary and Sue have been best friends since childhood. They share everything. Well, Mary is struggling with her boyfriend and their relationship. So Mary's talking to Sue about it, letting her feelings out and trying to make sense of it. Well, Sue responds by giving her advice. That's what best friends do. Well, she'd say something like, well, you know how men are, just ignore it. Or maybe she'd say, well, if I were in your shoes, I'd do this or that. Or I read in this book, this goes this way. Or here's another one, try eating better and exercising. That's the way to get your thoughts right. Sue is trying to fix Mary. She thinks that she's helping her by showing her all the ways to solve her problem. But there is a problem. But it's not Mary and her boyfriend. It's Sue. Mary doesn't need to be fixed. She needs to be heard. She needs to be listened to and understood. See, far too often we try to fix others or others' problems when they don't want to be fixed or even need to be fixed. In fact, the problem may not even be possible to fix. Yet we do it all the time. As a culture, 
we often treat others that are decidedly different from ourselves by trying to fix them or change them or simply discard them and put the problem away. Kind of out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. Well, it's fixed, right? No, it's wrong. When it comes to people, we have to learn not to become Mr. Fix-It by trying to make us all the same or by trying to put our differences away so we can't see them, so we don't have to deal with them. We need to learn to find common ground because we're all living in the same space. Now, guess what? That's what I call this episode, Common Ground. We'll take a good look at why we think the way we do when it comes to other people, and especially how we consider others who are different from ourselves. Now remember, this is a podcast for both sides of the neurodiverse aisle. It's for those of us who are Aspies, or on the spectrum, and those of you who are neurotypical. It is so important that we find a common place of understanding for those of us who have Asperger's syndrome, now called autism spectrum disorder, trying not only to live in the world around us, but for you folks who are neurotypical, trying to make sense of what doesn't seem to make sense. Well, before we get into this whole thing, let me thank each and every one of you for subscribing on the website. That tells me who's listening leaving me great messages about the podcast, which are real encouraging, and really being great listeners. We're regularly heard in over 11 countries now, and I'm very proud of our Aspie friends and our neurotypical friends as well. All right, let's get back into it. There's a lot to talk about. I remember sitting on the couch trying to talk with my wife. Now, this was many years ago before we knew anything about Asperger's or autism spectrum disorder, much less knowing that I had it. Well, we were trying to figure out how things were going for us, and we were struggling. Anytime that we talked together, it seemed like we were butting heads, not, not having heated discussion, mind you, just couldn't get past something. And the odd thing was, we weren't sure what that thing was. Well, let's fast forward to the present. <laughs> Our talks are so much better now because we don't butt heads anymore. What was the problem? Well, my wife and I were trying to make the other of us into someone who matched a standard, a preconceived image of the person we wanted the other to be. We were playing Mr. Fix-It. As people, we tend to want to change others to be like ourselves or like a standard of what we think is a right person. Well, these standards come from beliefs or assumptions usually carried down from generation to generation, and we do it without even considering whether the beliefs or assumptions are correct or not. We just simply believe them. A lot of these beliefs are negative, and the often negative beliefs are called social stigmas. Now, according to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, the essential meaning of a stigma is, and I quote, a set of negative and often unfair beliefs that a society or group of people have about something, end of quote. These are especially true of mental illness and disorders. Where do these kind of beliefs come from? Well, some come from stories that were handed down from person to person, generation to generation, like I said before. Here's one. 
It's not a social stigma, but it's a good example of what I'm talking about. There are those who believe that if you leave your windows open on a cool or a wet evening, you'll catch a cold. While research has proved that to be completely false, still, many believe it to be true to this very day. My mother used to tell me that. She learned it from her mother, and her mother learned it from her mother. And on and on backwards it goes. You see where that's going? See, another problem with this is the fact that we have a tendency to embellish these ideas. Subsequently, they ballooned into these big assumptions that become wilder or more stark and ominous as they're passed down. Another way we pick up social stigmas is from the media, and a lot of it's from the media. Claims made of horrid murders, or miraculous recoveries, or even Martians visiting the planet have largely come from stories printed in magazines or newspapers or shows on television, remember reality TV? <clears throat> okay, <laughs> or suspense and horror films. We're fascinated by the ideas that are created when we see or read these things. And as we talk about them, we tend to embellish them. Or sometimes in order to prove to somebody that we're right, we'll attach some authority to it that makes it believable. You know, a former NASA employee said, or a former army officer said, and that gives it credence, and we believe that it must be true, when indeed it is not. Social stigmas can come from many sources such as the ones I just mentioned, but I believe most social stigmas about people that are different come from two things. One of them is fear. Consider the horror movie as one example. There have been countless movies that portray evil thinking with mental illness. The Brain That Wouldn't Die, or Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, or even the old Frankenstein films reinforced the social stigmas we have that connect someone with mental illness with dangerous acts of cruelty, violence, or murder. Not only does that solidify the stigma in our own minds, but it actually influences the thinking of the medical community by reinforcing old, worn-out, outdated therapies that by today's reckoning would be barbaric. These only help reinforce the fear, or the stigma, that those who are mentally ill or disabled should be put away because they're inherently dangerous should be locked away in order to protect ourselves. Now, the other reason I believe sigmas are an issue is control. We all like to live our lives in control. Those who don't look or act or exhibit behavior that isn't common to us or to the neurotypical world are presumed to be out of control, and therefore they need to be, quote, fixed or, quote, healed or simply, quote, taken care of by being placed in institutions or group homes or special hospitals. There are those who suffer from mental disorders and illnesses that require greater support facilities and higher levels of care, and those special places are important. But they're not for just hiding someone away because they're different in order to maintain that control over circumstances and 
the control over the circumstances of the world we live in. In our social cultures, especially the Western cultures, we carry stigmas about those of us on the spectrum. Some are badly misplaced, and they carry forward through a lack of knowledge. Well, here's just a few. I'm going to dispel them for you. First, autism spectrum disorder is a disease. Needs to be cured. No, autism in general is not a disease. It's a neuro, which means brain, behavioral disorder. While it has been diagnosed widely in children, which is why you see children in autism web pages, but it's become more apparent that adults are affected just as well. There's another. Autism spectrum disorder just needs medicine, or you just need to get your diet right. No, that's not true either. Autism spectrum disorder, because it's not a disease process, it has no medication that can, quote, cure it. It's truly by understanding, engaging, and slow learning that the behavioral conditions can be improved. And it's also, by the way, a lifelong disorder. Autism spectrum disorder is caused by vaccines. I've heard that for a long time. Once again, it's not a disease process. It's not a virus. The fear that vaccines cause the disorder originated with a 1997 study. It was published in The Lancet, which is a prestigious medical journal in Britain. It was published by a man named Andrew Wakefield, a liver surgeon. He suggested that the MMR vaccine, which is the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine, it's common for children to get that vaccine, by the way, was increasing the rates of autism in children. He and all of his findings were completely discredited due to serious procedural errors. Basically, he was dishonest in his research. And he had previously undisclosed, which means they were hidden, financial improprieties and conflicts of interest. He actually stood to make $43 million for test kits to prove that a child has autism based on his findings. And he also had ethical violations. He falsified his manuscripts. Well, his license to practice was completely removed and his findings were removed and the journal article he published was removed as well. To this day, there are those who still believe this stigma. And there have been, by the way, quite a few studies done more carefully that found no link whatsoever between vaccinations and autism spectrum disorder. And there are a lot more autism spectrum disorder type of stigmas that we want to be loners and we don't want to make any friends and things like that. All of which, by the way, are not true. Now, when you look at things from the Aspie side, there are social stigmas that we carry. Perhaps not quite so rooted in unsubstantiated facts or false claims, but they're rooted in personal experiences, which result in making incorrect and broad assumptions about ourselves and the neurotypical world. Well, these are called self-perceived stigmas, or just self-stigmas. A study published in 2012 by Patrick W. Corrigan and Deepa Rao for the National Institute of Mental Health goes this way, and I quote, Negative stereotypes, such as notions of dangerousness or incompetence often associated with mental illness, 
can be harmful to people living with mental illness. End of quote. Uh, those of us with Asperger's syndrome or autism spectrum disorder may say, we all deserve to be alone, or no one wants to know us. Well, those are self-inflicted wounds that we tend to make about ourselves because of shame and embarrassment and are supported by the study I just mentioned. Let me quote again. In particular, perceived devaluation and discrimination is thought to lead to diminished self-esteem and self-efficacy, or what we call adequacy, end of quote. We Aspies sometimes tend to carry a us-and-them approach to life in the neurotypical world, sometimes even coming into agreement with the social stigmas created by misplaced neurotypical thinking. We all tend to carry social stigmas, whether we're neurotypical or on the spectrum. It comes from both sides. They keep us from being together, from making friends, finding a lifetime love, or being able to coexist in a world that is certainly big enough to handle us. This is why we need to find common ground, a place where we can both understand each other, and by doing so, we can eliminate the social stigmas by proving them wrong and proving them to be misplaced. Make no mistake, stigmas are hard to overcome, but there are a few ideas that we can all use, and by all I mean everyone who is on the spectrum and neurotypicals alike, to help dispel social stigmas and get past them so that we can begin the work of reconciliation and healing and understanding and appreciation of not only the neurotypical and those on the spectrum, but from all areas, anyone who may look or act or appear different. Now, first of all, since you're listening to this podcast, I have to assume that you're not only interested in learning about autism spectrum disorder, but you really want to be able to do something about it. The idea that you can make a difference for the better in someone's life and in your own life at the same time well, then you may have to think past some of the things you thought were hard and fast rules or aspects in life. You can only change yourself. You cannot change others to be you or someone else. You may help others learn new things, but changing who a person is, their core self, as it were, can prove to be a waste of good energy. Try working within yourself. Decide to think differently. That's right. Make a decision to think differently. A professor once told me that sometimes you just have to, and I quote, grab your willer by your water and make yourself. <laughs> Aspies, give yourself a minute to process that, okay? I'll give you a second. Let me suggest you check things out. Do a little research. Keep in mind, especially for our friends on the spectrum, that when you start looking things up about autism spectrum disorder, you'll find that the bulk of the writing concerns children. Since the bulk of the concentration in figuring out autism spectrum disorder has been done by studying children, you're going to have to expect a great deal of that when you research. However, if you take your time and look carefully, you'll find more information for adults 
than has ever been available before. And also a very important point, stay away from political agendas. They're very popular right now. It seems to have become more common to tie a personal belief to a political stance. I would urge you, keep that as far away from you as you can. Try to find resources that reinforce people and their feelings rather than programs, legislation, and hard lobbying. So what else can you do? Well, you make no assumptions. Find real answers. Start taking things one thing at a time. Remember, this is not going to be a breakthrough that happens right away. It's not going to be like that. Be prepared to take some time. Make certain that you try to talk directly to a source. If you have a question about quantum physics, you're not going to ask the butcher in a grocery store about it. You're going to want to go to the source. Well, if you have a question about autism spectrum disorder, your best bet is to talk with someone who has it. Get your understanding from a source that matters. Now, here's the kicker. Want to know the best way to dispel stigmas and find common ground? One word, listening. Not to those who are just jumping at the opportunity to tell you how it really is. You can find that right away without hardly trying. Try to look in places you wouldn't necessarily look. Talk to those who have it, who experience it, and listen. Now, sometimes the words themselves don't always tell the story, especially when you're talking to those of us who have Asperger's syndrome and autism spectrum disorder. Look at our faces. See the real answers by hearing not just with your ears, but with your heart as well. Learn to talk to each other. Okay, you may not agree on things, and that's all right. But the best way to dispel a mistaken idea is to prove it to yourself. Neurotypicals, talk directly to those of us on the spectrum. And Aspies, do the same. Talk directly to neurotypicals. Reach across the aisle and talk. Even a little bit helps. You'd be surprised what a great world will open up for each of us if we just do this. Whew, well... We've come to the end of our time together. Be sure to go to the AspieLand.org website and subscribe. It's the only way I can tell who's listening. And it's a quick and really easy way to connect. You can reach me by email at john at AspieLand.org or at AspieLand.org at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. While you're on the website, please try to make a donation if you can. It really helps to keep things going. All right, my friends, I hope you all stay safe. We'll meet up again next time in Aspieland. Thanks for listening to the Aspieland podcast. If you like this podcast, pass the word. This podcast is for everyone, whether you have Asperger's syndrome or not, because the more who listen, the better our opportunity to become more sensitive and compassionate, not only to those who have the disorder, but to all humankind as well. Thanks for visiting, and I hope you'll listen again.